And welcome back, everybody. A special edition of the Announcer Schedules podcast. We have a standalone interview and a very timely one. The NBA Finals are here. And we've got the voice of the Miami Heat, the radio voice, but very synonymous with the NBA and the Miami Heat for a long time. Jason Jackson is in the house on the Announcer Schedules podcast with Mike and Phil. Jason, welcome to the pod. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure. I wish it was here up 1-0, but the job is to get one on the road. So as we tape this, Denver's taking the 1-0 lead, but there's still Sunday. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, we're taping on a Friday. Last night was game one. Uh, only two days of preparation for this, right? I mean, Denver, the radio for, guy. For one of us. Yes, yes, the Denver side, they've been prepping for quite some time, Jay. But they earned it. Uh, the radio guy gets a chance to call the NBA Finals. How cool yeah. and unique is this? You know, the television guy sometimes is thought to be the glamour guy, and you do a lot of TV. You do, and I want to get into that, Phil, and I want to get into that, but how cool is it that the radio guy gets to do the Finals, and in year number two, you are there? Yeah, it's super cool. It really is, man. I grew up in Cincinnati, and so radio stuff it's a big deal. I mean, the big one, the nation station, 700 WLW, home of the Reds. I mean, that is, that's my entire, uh, well, second half of my childhood uh, was in Cincinnati prior to Cleveland. And that's how I fell in love with our business was the emergence of sports talk, uh, play-by-play with uh, Reds baseball. But the funny thing is, guys, this was not the path that I thought I would ever find myself on. I mean, I came out of Bowling Green. I was a, a reporter at the Fox affiliate in Miami and then an anchor and reporter at ESPN. And for 17 of my 19 years, the host and reporter for the TV side uh, for Miami Heat basketball. But uh, uh, Mike English, who had called Heat games for over 20 years, decided that was that was enough. He was good and retired. But it was like two weeks before the season. So I was standing there. <laughs> Raise my hand, so right? <laughs> I got the call, and I, no, seriously, guys, I'll tell you, I, I thought that we were going to simulcast because it just wasn't there wasn't enough time to do a real search and you know find the best of the best. So we um, that was literally my thought the day Mike announced his retirement, and twelve hours later, I got a call from the director of our part, department, uh, Ted Ballard, asking if I was interested, and. While I haven't done play-by-play a lot over the 33 years of my career, I sure know what I want it to sound like, and uh, I'm trying to do a little of that now. Jason, you mentioned, you know, how does the guy Bowling Green, Ohio, Cleveland Market, Cincinnati, uh, how do you land as one of the more synonymous voices with the Miami Heat? What's that journey like from Ohio to the Sunshine State? Uh, it was pretty cool the first time because I was a senior at Bowling Green in the winter of 94 when I started interviewing. And uh, my agent at the time, I got an agent first. I did that route uh, initially. And she said, I have three interviews for you. This is March before the May I'm going to graduate in 94. And she goes, "You can. Uh, which one do you want to go to first? It was Milwaukee, Hartford, and Miami. And I'm like, I'm in Ohio in March, <laughs> we're going to Miami first. <laughs> so uh, went down there. The, the news director who interviewed me, uh, Brian Greif, delightful man, 
but he was so distracted. Uh, President Clinton, uh, I was visiting Miami at the time, and the noon show was 700 live shots, and he's trying to engage with me, but he can't. I mean, he's just so locked in to the coverage. So he takes me to lunch. We come back, and he asks, uh, hey, could you put together a minute and a half on Michael Jordan and the Barons coming through and playing the Marlins uh, in spring in spring training? So <clears throat> I get that done. I barely make my flight because <laughs> he literally gave me like, you know, I think it was like 90 minutes before I needed to leave to get to Miami International. And I don't know if either of you have flown through Miami International Airport. It, it is an adventure. And so <laughs> while you can get anywhere in the world from there, uh, you better have some time on your hands before you try to hustle through there. So anyway, um, I get back. I think my connection back to school was through Cincinnati. I was probably on Delta through Cincinnati, probably up to Toledo or Detroit. So on my um, on my layover, um, I, I just happened to call my agent. Back in the no cell phones, no beepers, none of that at that particular point. And she's screaming, Jackie Harris, screaming in the phone, "What did you do? What did you do?" Like I went and did you know did the interview. I wasn't really paying attention to me. I asked me to do a buck thirty on Jordan playing ball, and that was it. She goes, he only wanted a script. Oh, I cut an entire feature because <laughs> that's what I did. I mean, you're a college student who interns. Like, you, you you just get in an instruction and you do the work. So I really think I got the first job in Miami because I could edit. And that, that worked out. So I was really jumping, you know, 110 markets by starting in Miami first. Uh, we all think so we, we all think we're going to be in, like, Billings, Montana or – Redding, California, or, you know, then you make the, the the jump to Raleigh and then then you'll make a move, you know, maybe to the top 10 from there. But I, I was very fortunate. And that led to a really, I was only in Miami for like 18 months before ESPN came calling. And it was only because the Super Bowl was there. So again, very super fortunate. Um, I can't remember which Super Bowl it was, but I know it was Niners Chargers. And uh, if I do the math, it's probably really simple what it was, but it's like, 24 or 34. Where are we now? 50-something, 50 56. So. Well, we're all journalism majors. No math. Exactly. None of that. But uh, but I was on TV for two weeks every day, nonstop. And so uh, ESPN executives were in town, saw me, and gave me a shot. So at the ridiculous age of 23, I was a sports center anchor, and not a very good one. Uh, thank God for ESPN News. The invention of that let me anchor every day. I had not anchored a great deal at that point. So that year of working from four to seven in that fishbowl uh, every day was, was just a massive rep uh, explosion that I needed as a young anchor. And so after that, uh, the shift, the real shift of my career happened while I'm at ESPN I'm in between news and uh, ESPN news and sports center. And um, Keith Olbermann left. And the shift of Keith Olbermann was the, the change in my career because Kenny Mayne left RPM tonight to pair with Dan Patrick at the time. Uh, Reese Davis left NBA tonight to go to RPM tonight, and that left NBA tonight open. And I campaigned for that, like, as you, you probably have my bio in front of you, uh, like when I was the two-term student body president at Bowling Green State University. And so <laughs> I went around everybody. I was wearing people out. I ended up getting like basically half of the NBA stuff initially, but a couple of years later, fortunately got it all. 
and it's been about five years covering the league. And after my departure there, it's about two years in the wilderness. Good two years, though, because I got to hang out with my second son, which was awesome. Uh, but uh, because of my work at Channel 7, so this is how full circle it is. Young people, if I hope you're listening, be good to the people you work with because that's the reason I got the phone call right before the Heat announced the trade for Shaquille O'Neal in the summer of 2004. I got a call from Ed Philomia, who at the time uh, was the head of the internal broadcasting uh, group with the Miami Heat. And we were he was my associate producer at Channel 7 way back at the beginning of the story. And uh, he gave me a call. And I was an ass about it initially. I apologized for that soon after because it was literally two days before the announcement. He's like, I can't tell you what's happening, but we're going to have a bigger show. We want a pregame show, a halftime show, and a postgame show, and I think he'd be a great host. And I think there's going to be a courtside reporting opportunity as well. And I'm like, it's, and now listen, I had not worked for two years, and he's going, <laughs> I'm going, oh, Ed, thanks for the call, but I'm waiting for, you know, CBS and NBC and USA, none who have called, by the way, in this period of, of walking through Sherwood Forest. And it was uh, that deal that happened, I want to say it was July 20th. And uh, needless to say, I picked up the phone quickly and said, what do I need to do to get, to get into the mix? And the explosion of his arrival with the emergence of Dwayne Wade as a superstar was uh, the rocket ship I've been on for 19 years. Awesome stuff, Jason. And, hey, this is a real thrill for me. You know, I worked with Mike Inglis for years as a stats guy, and I even substituted for you for one of those games where, where Mike couldn't make it. Um, we're talking over probably 10 years ago or, or, or so at the AAA, so it's really cool to see you on here. And I'd like to dive in more to that transition to becoming the full-time radio play-by-play announcer and you know how that has been for you the different perspective obviously from being the courtside reporter and seeing all the action up close from that vantage point to now calling every single movement on the court as the radio play-by-play announcer tell us a little bit how that's unfolded for you and how that perspective shift has been for you I tell every tv play-by-play person now that they they cheat at the craft the pictures make the job not easy but easier uh, particularly with basketball, the tempo of NBA basketball, like it or not, is lightning. I mean, it just cooks. So while I'm trying to make sure that your mind's eye can see that someone is shooting a mid-range jumper to the left of the left elbow, which is like this no-man's land of of shooting, which, by the way, thank God we're in a period where only DeMar DeRozan shoots those shots. Uh, but... But it is the floor geography is the thing that you have to master and you have to be committed to time and score. Uh, I will give you the PG version of uh, Baseball Hall of Famer Marty Brenneman's suggestion to me. I called him and told him that I'd gotten the opportunity. And I don't know if a lot of people know this, particularly, uh, you know, super baseball heads who see Marty through that prison. He is a hoop head. That man spent 41 years as loves basketball, specifically college basketball. I think he called some for Westwood one back in the day. Phil, I'm sure you're going to put up a post some sometime soon on that. But uh, that being said, 
He said, listen here, big boy. Time and score, I don't know you. <laughs> and so hmm. you know, the Hall of Famer hits you with that one. And you're like, okay. I mean, I wear time and score out. Do you use the really egg do. timer? And, no, with, right. The old, Ernie Harwell was yeah. that who? Was he the I, 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 when I was in college, I, I you know I sat with Tony Caridi, who does the West Virginia games, and one gotcha. of the first things he said, he has a little, and he'll flip it over back and forth, and all know, the sand. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I try to do it at the beginning of every possession, so that's probably in an NBA game, you know, upwards of two hundred times, definitely one hundred and eighty times. And I'm just mindful with radio. Folks are in and out. They're in and out now. I love I love the long range rig drivers. They're awesome over there on Sirius XM when we're you know one of those channels over there. Uh, but I haven't been able to, and I've been working with our flagship station in Miami to try to really figure out who's listening, how long they're listening, and if I need, I couldn't imagine giving time and score more, but but they may need it. Because their time spent listening is is shorter, and people coming in whenever they're coming in. Um, I've always looked at radio play by play very seriously because I love it, but I also know what it is when television's an option. And so, I'll tell you a funny story about that in a moment. But I I I realize it, it's a a supplement to the coverage that it's somebody who can't come to the game and can't be around the television, like layers of can't have to get in the way before they get to us. Unlike baseball or football, I feel like that's a little bit more of the fiber, right? Football, that's all you get from a regional or local standpoint because everything's a national game. Uh, with baseball, it's just woven into the tradition of it. And uh, I'll find myself, oftentimes, I watch probably 100 Reds games a year and I'll find myself probably half the time listening to the radio. And it was probably more than that when Marty was calling. Um, so I don't know the data. I'm trying to get it. It's not easy to do in this era of streaming and how many different platforms have it on top of, um, you know, what you're getting from terrestrial radio. But we're working on that. But for me, time and score and where the ball is, I try to get it there as much as I can. I, and I, when I hear replays back, and I haven't said left or right or, you know, where it is just because it's an explosive moment. Those are that's when I cringe. I'm like, man, I still, still got to get there. I'm almost, I've got to get there, in all this time. But the sidebar I want to tell you about. I've, I've started this hashtag called the sink, and on occasion I will, I will just note either in a IG post or when I'm talking to people about syncing their television with the audio and for so many people, they're listening on their phone um, that, you know, you hear a play out of bio, right block, explodes, throws it down, pause, wait for it to happen on television, usually a cable or satellites behind. And, uh, and then when you see it happen, push play. And you're synced up, turn down the TV, pump up the radio, we'll get you through the game. So hashtag the sync <laughs> and trying to push throughout Heat Nation. Yeah, who like uh, real quick, Phil, uh, you know, Jay, you, you're talking about the radio and 
you know, left side, right side. Who knew there was a left corner and a deep left corner and foul line extended to the left and left of the lane? I mean, you are trying to be so overly descriptive with these things all the time because you're right. Being on the radio is so different from a television broadcast. And I think a lot of you you talked about it, you hinted at anyway, that you thought there might have been a simulcast, which is just so unfortunate for radio listeners. Yeah. No, because first of all, that that dedication is going to be to television first. And so with all the mechanisms, all the graphics, all of the roll-in with the video, um, we all have 900 reads for the team and for the broadcast entity. But the teams that feel like they're saving money uh, doing that, I'm sure they are, but they definitely are doing a disservice to their to their fan base. Now, Jason, in addition to your radio play-by-play work, you still have TV responsibilities yeah. too, especially during you know the, the regular season. Sure. Can you tell us what a game day is like for you to to juggle the two? Are you are you rushing back and forth from the different locations? Yeah. Uh, how does more, that all work? More steps that a big boy should have to take, Phil. <laughs> that's that's what I'm telling you. It's it's awesome. It, it was intentional. I mean, I didn't want the entire television experience to go away. Um, it, it will probably have to at a certain time. They, they're going to need to get somebody ready uh, for for the, the next stage of all this from a television standpoint, a reporting standpoint. But yeah, no, my I'll I'll get to the arena. I gave back my desk last year, and I thought it was just this beautiful, you know, just gift. I'm giving back to our department. We're getting bigger. We have more interns and uh, associate producers and production assistants. And it was literally a gift to myself. I didn't realize. <laughs> so home games, I do everything from home, which is great. Um, I get in probably about two hours before the tip and uh, then get set at our perch atop 107, which is midcourt, uh, on the uh, north side of Kaseya Center. And uh, then it just it's an avalanche from there. So once once I get there, I set up my task cam. For those that don't own one of those, a little plug-in awesome uh, two-channel recording device, and I'll head down to Coach Bolster's press conference. I skipped the road uh, press conference, and my partner goes, Amy Otterbert. So if anything awesome comes from that, she'll bring that back. Right after Spoh's press conference with the journal media, I do what we call Spoh's show, which is about a five-minute conversation, just one-on-one. Uh, back upstairs to hand that off to the engineer, and then I'm off to go put on my own makeup, <laughs> regional cable television, no no, no artist, no makeup artist there. Uh, then a little rehearsal and then on the air uh, for a 7.30 game at 7 o'clock. And uh, so we'll do a half-hour pregame show, walk basically halfway around the building. Next year we are opening the Dr. Jack Ramsey Broadcast Center at nice. the Center. Center. Uh, Dr. Jack, for those that don't know, was uh, the analyst for the Heat for eight years. Uh, during those morning Hardaway years is the best way to, to center people's thinking about heat history. Um, and so in honoring Jack, I will have fewer steps, which he wouldn't like because Jack worked out like the Navy man he was uh, and, until until he was deep in his 80s, swimming in the ocean, running the beach in Naples. Uh, so he'd be like, Jackson, get the steps in. Um, so, uh, But it'll be better, I think, next year because it'll all be on the same side of the arena. You know, so trying to cut through the the Bacardi Ocho Lounge and get to the broadcast position, call the entire game, take halftime off to actually go to the restroom. Uh, Post game, uh, we get out kind of quick and turn it over to our 
studio guys and get right back on the air for about 45 minutes to an hour uh, post game most nights. So it's, it's, it's a long night. So you don't like Jeff Van Gundy's idea to cut halftime. <laughs> Coach is creative, right? He's very creative. No, we're not. That, it wouldn't work for me. I know that it would not. Uh, on the road, I get a little bit of a break. Uh, we like most Valley uh, partnerships. Uh, there's a studio in Fort Lauderdale that handles the road games. That obviously, the footprint of that is changing as we're talking right now. Um, I don't know what the fall will look like. I don't think anybody really knows. Well, San Diego Padres now. I mean they. They already shifted to coverage uh, run by MLB. So uh, it's a very interesting environment now for regional sports network. So we're just holding on tight and ready to ride. All of us are Miami Heat employees. So we're far more blessed than some of our colleagues that are in, you know, unknown waters right now. And Jason, you mentioned Dr. Jack. And Mm -hmm. I think about heat culture. And most people, when they think about heat culture, or at least from the outside and nationally and so forth, they think about the coaches and the players and the work ethic on the court and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it emanates throughout the organization. You know, I was witness to that. And throughout the broadcasters. You know, there's guys, there's heat originals, Eric Reed, Jose Pineda, who are still doing it. You've been there since day one of the expansion right. team back in 1988. Love for you to comment on on that. You know, heat culture as it pertains to you all as a, as a broadcasting team and this, this longevity that so many of you have, yourself included, 19 years. 19 years, and I'm still only – I think I moved up one spot in seniority because of what you just noted, is that there is a deep-felt loyalty that radiates from the Arison family and the Pat Riley uh, extends to us once you've earned it. And – um, Miami Heat general manager Andy Ellisberg, who also is an original, uh, 35 years, has a great saying about either you're in the tent or you are out of it and you want to stay in it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's these matter-of-fact things that aren't that complicated, but if you understand that it's not about the marquee or the minutes or the money, that it's about this collective desire to be the very best and win championships, then you get it. You get it. We're not very open with information as an organization. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's an interesting dance as a broadcaster for a team that likes to hold stuff close to the vest. Uh, but you learn the rhythm quickly. You really do. And, and the great thing is we have wonderful people who've been around like our uh, Vice President of Sports Media Relations, Tim Donovan. It's been there for 27 years. So if you have a question, ask him. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, will let you know one Jason, way or the other. Jason uh, Jackson and you're not going to like every answer. Is and the, you realize that it's not about you and that you're a part of something. And it's as simple as I covered four NBA finals before I arrived uh, to the Heat. And now seven more since. And when you have that employee ring ceremony the very first time, it, it, it changes your entire perspective about what it is we do, who we do it for. <laughs> it's like you can have all these altruistic feelings about journalism and broadcasting, but when you work for a team, uh, there's something that has to be said about being a part of a collective unit that's that's trying to 
first of all, be a really successful business, a sports and entertainment entity, uh, but then also trying, if you're fortunate enough to work for a team that's always trying to win, um, it's something else when you do. Uh, Jason Jackson is the uh, radio play-by-play voice of the Miami Heat. By the way, you know the Heat lost game one in all three of their championship seasons, so that's a good start uh, for Miami. And uh, they have that down 1-0 right now to Denver. Before we let you run, uh, if you can bring us back to your time when you anchored NBA Tonight in the matchup show, and you mentioned you know rolling through ESPN, but just – um, you know, we talked to Mark Jones a couple weeks ago about his time doing the show, uh, and that show seems to have, you know, launched a lot of people's NBA careers. So NBA Today at the time was Jones' show, and I would just fill in from time to time. And I don't know what happened in – it was the 25th anniversary – 50th, I'm sorry, 50th anniversary. It's 25 years ago. Uh, for the NBA, and I filled in on NBA Today. And so, speaking of Dr. Jack, he was the main analyst on that show. So, uh, neither he nor I went to All-Star Weekend, but we wrapped around a lot of stuff because that was a massive All-Star Weekend, the all, the all-time uh, 50th anniversary team. Uh, I believe it was at Cleveland at the time. Such a big deal having all, uh, I think, man, I think it was 48 or 49 of the greatest 50 players were right there in Cleveland. And uh, it was just a glorious celebration of the game. And that was the first time I hosted NBA Today was that following Tuesday. And uh, whenever Jonesy was busy, I made it very clear that I wanted to sit and host that show. And that, that started it. Um, as I think I told you all earlier, I, mean, I, loved, I grew up playing and loved baseball at the highest level. But I was very mindful of not covering baseball, so I would still have this childish love affair for baseball. The little bit I did is, you know, working at a local affiliate, I think, was enough because you had other stuff to do. It wasn't always just running down the riverfront stadium and getting sound every night, but it was close. <laughs> it was close to that. Uh, but I just wanted to maintain the love affair. And um, so basketball was this thing that kind of fell right to me, which oddly enough was my best sport as a kid, but I just didn't have the same love uh, as I did for baseball. And so, you know, getting to ESPN and seeing the dominoes starting to fall, like I told you with the Alderman departure and eventually having NBA Today, NBA Tonight, and NBA matchup as my weekly responsibilities for television was just fantastic. And I remember covering my first Finals. It was uh, ninety-eight. It was uh, Jordan's last one with the Bulls against Utah, and there were so many of us that got responsibilities, and then also the stars parachuting into the coverage. Um, that I only got the Chicago uh, games, the games that were in Chicago. And that series ended in in Salt Lake, as we all know, with Jordan with the pose and Brian Russell. I, you got pushed, Brian. I, I understand. <laughs> you did. <laughs> but uh, that was the beginning, and it's been awesome ever since. Uh, by the way, which uh, Utah, Mountain Time, full circle, you're in Mountain Time. Denver <laughs> is where Jason Jackson is for the NBA Finals, the Miami Heat radio yeah. play-by-play voice, and, of course, a guest right here on this week's edition, a special 
uh, standalone of the Announcer Schedules podcast with Mike and Phil. Jason Jackson, everybody. We thank you, Jason, and uh, have a great call for the rest of this series. Hopefully you get a great one. Thank you very much, and thanks for all the hard work you do, keeping us up to date every day on who's called and what, when, where, and why. I don't know how you have the time for it, but thank God that you do. Yeah, thanks, Jason. And, and say hello to Rob Wilson for me. Have, have a great rest of the NBA Finals. You got it. Thanks, man. Jason Jackson, everybody, here on the Announcer Schedules podcast. Phil, there you go. You got some Miami flavor in there. I've had some Sixer flavor here uh, with Tom McGinnis and Mark Zumoff and now Jason Jackson. Great stories, man. What a unbelievable journey for Jason Jackson. Yeah, and during the, the NBA Finals, so uh, we weren't even able to get into that much because there, there was so much to go into as far as Jason's career and really fascinating him taking on this radio play-by-play role after all those years on the, on the TV side, still doing some TV work as well. But yeah, great hearing some of those names also. You know, Dr. Jack Ramsey, I mean, legendary coach, obviously, but he was one heck of a broadcaster too, Mike. I mean, he was something else, not just, you know, those years with the heat, but uh, nationally, he did a lot of work for ESPN radio, you know, uh, at a, at a, you know, late in his, his life. And, um, you know, we've talked about, you know, so, some of these broadcasters like Hubie Brown and Bob Euchre, Vince Scully, who, who, you know, who passed away last year and, and so forth. And these guys who still have their fastball, you know, very late in life. Dr. Jack might be the, the number one example of that that I can think of, because like Jason described, he was you know, just so committed to keeping his body healthy, keeping his mind sharp, working hard, doing all these things. He would commute from Naples, Florida to the games at, uh, you know, the the Heat Arena. You know, we're talking, um, it's probably like an hour and a half commute, at least two hours, you know, across Alligator Alley, across the Everglades to commute and then go back after the games late at night. You know, so he was very committed to his craft and it was cool to hear those stories. But, you know, Jason, um, what a great personality. He's, you know, he's, he's always, you know, got such a, a cheerful, you know, um, disposition and so forth and brings so much to the heat, has that institutional knowledge, you know, dating back to, you know, his time as a, as a sports reporter at WSVN in Miami and in his 19th season and now taking on this radio play-by-play role. And like you said at the top, Mike, you know, these radio play-by-play guys, you know, both Denver and, and Miami in this case, these are big opportunities to get to, to call history at the NBA Finals. Yeah, he also, uh, we didn't really get down this road, but he did what I do. He's a sports talk radio host for a little while as well. So very versatile, 22-time Emmy winner, Jason Jackson. 30 years in the broadcasting business, Bowling Green University or uh, from Ohio to Miami and seemingly everywhere in between. It was great to have him as a part of these, the Announcer Schedules podcast. Uh, don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe. We're on Last Word on Sports. You get uh, Tell Me a Story I Don't Know with George Offman on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Last Word on Sports Media with T.J. Reeves. Thursdays, the Announcer Schedules podcast. But if you subscribe to the feed, you get special drops like this one from Jason Jackson. So make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, and look for all three podcasts on Last Word on Sports. All right, for Phil, I'm Mike. This has been a special Announcer Schedules podcast. We thank our guest Jason Jackson of the Miami Heat Radio Network here on Announcer Schedules. Have a great weekend, everybody.